0: Welcome to Southside Community Church. Enjoy our Sunday morning message. Effective ways to destroy your life and the life of those around you. Uh, we've been looking in James when he's, he's talking about the destructiveness of the tongue, the power of the tongue, the potential of our speech, literally to burn down our lives and burn down the lives of those around us if we don't carefully monitor how we speak. When we just say whatever's on our mind, it's always dangerous. It's always playing with fire, literally, as James says it. So today we're gonna talk about an essential quality of biblical wisdom. We're gonna start learning how to, how to be more like a presence of Christ when you walk into a room because of our wisdom. And James gives us a hallmark essential element of wisdom that maybe you haven't thought about before, maybe you haven't considered as something that goes along with wisdom. But I think it's going to be very helpful for us as followers of Jesus. So we're going to start with James chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 13 through 18 this morning. Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct? Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy... "...and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere." And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's put up the next sentence on the screen. It is, the dog ran slowly. The dog ran slowly. Are you able to make the connection between this and the passage we just read? The nervous laughter. It is not in any way related to the passage we just read. I'm just gonna do a quick grammar lesson. So when we did COVID, when we had COVID, I was the grammar teacher for the homeschool that was the Grimwood Homeschool. I was the principal. Kara basically did everything except for grammar. I got to do that. I loved it. It was amazing. I almost wanted to become a teacher. It was so fun. And so we're going to do a quick grammar lesson just because I liked that so much. And it might have something to do with the sermon. It might not. The dog ran slowly. All right. You can just yell out the answer. What's the noun in this? And if you don't know, it's okay. What's the noun in this this sentence? Dog. What's the verb in this sentence? Ran. This is a little tricky. What's the adverb in this sentence? Slowly. It's the adverb because it describes the action. It describes how the dog ran. And when James, okay, it is related. When James talks about wisdom, he doesn't give us nouns. He doesn't describe wisdom as knowledge, insight, experience. When James talks about wisdom, he doesn't give us verbs, pondering, thinking, considering. When James talks about wisdom, he gives us an adverb. Let him show his works, verb show, let him show his works how? In the meekness of wisdom. For a wise person, what stands out about them is the way they go about doing the things they do. It's how they do the things they do. Every word they speak and the manner in which they speak leaves the gentle wake of meekness. We share our opinions with meekness. We share how others hurt us with meekness. We share our insights at a Bible study with meekness. We instruct others with meekness. We correct others with meekness. We receive instruction with meekness. It's how we do things that describes true biblical wisdom. So let's get to the definition of meekness. What is meekness? I like this first definition by James Adamson it's self subduing gentleness. Meekness is self subduing gentleness it's constraining yourself in order to have a more gentle come off to others. If there's something about your personality that's intimidating, it's constraining that aspect of who you are so that others feel safe around you, so that others feel like you're gentle. I like this other definition of meekness as well. It's Power under control for the sake of loving others. Power under control for the sake of loving others. So make no mistake, meekness is certainly not weakness. I used to have a poster in my room, and it was a Charles Barkley that was holding a basketball rim that he had apparently ripped off of a backboard somewhere, and it... It said, the meek may inherit the earth, but they won't get the ball. <laughs> so every, like when my coaches were trying to encourage me, they'd say, get meaner, get stronger, get, you know, play angry. You're better when you play angry. It's a misunderstanding of meekness because meekness doesn't mean that you're soft. It means that you've learned how to control your power and your strength for the sake of others. But the mindset that I think we're force-fed by the world is that we ought to assert our strengths. Don't constrain your strengths. Assert yourself. Assert your strengths to others. And James is teaching us a better way because it's not that god hasn't given us incredible spiritual strength and power it's that he also helps us to harness it for the sake of others so let's just just look at the life of jesus let's just look at a couple of very fascinating snapshots from the life of jesus to see how he was meek now the first one this is a classic i go to this a lot because it's such an interesting picture of meekness in jesus power under control it's john 19:10 and 11 So Pilate said to Jesus, because Pilate was asking Jesus questions, Jesus was not responding. And Pilate said, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Jesus is talking to an earthly ruler in the hierarchical ruling of the Roman Empire, and this ruler is saying to him, I could have you crucified. You could at least answer my questions, because I do have the power to have you crucified. And Jesus said, you have that power because we gave it to you. In an instant, Jesus could have had lightning blast down from heaven and incinerate Pilate. Pilate did not have power over Jesus' life and death. Jesus laid down his own life, the Bible said. He allowed it to happen. He's saying to Pilate, you don't have power other than what has been given to you. I'm letting you do this, so do this. But don't pretend that I couldn't stop this in a second. The next one is from John 18, verses 3 through 8. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees. So Jesus is, in, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and they're coming to arrest him. Imagine being in this group of people who's responsible to arrest Jesus. They're coming to arrest him. They went there with lanterns and torches and weapons I told you that I am he, so if you seek me, let these men go. I am he can be literally translated as I am. It's the name that God gave to describe himself when he was talking to Moses in Exodus. This is a theophany hint it's the theophanie's where god appears somewhere to people and this is a hint back at that jesus is essentially like he does in other parts of the new testament he identifies himself with god he's hinting i am god the same god that moses spoke to i am him now when god reveals himself clearly in these ways people either fall forward and worship him like Peter did on the boat when he realized who Jesus was, or they fall backwards in fear. Jesus said, I am. And what did everyone do? They stumbled backwards and fell down. (laughs) Power under control. But what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? He could have said, Bam! You guys are you're not getting back up. You're all just going to die. He had the power to do that. But what did Jesus do when they fell backwards? Who are you looking for? Jesus, I am. Boom, everybody falls down. What does Jesus do? Who are you looking for? I told you I'm he. Let everyone else go. Cuff me. I'm letting you do this. Power under control for the sake of loving others self-subduing gentleness. The world says, assert your power. But the example instruction that Jesus gives us is to constrain our power for the sake of others. Let's give some examples of meekness. How about this one? These are just a few examples. You could probably come up with your own. How about this one? Not insisting on having the last word. I think I've told the story before, but um, there's a... There's a philosopher and theologian who was who speaking at a seminar and a person who was listening who had read just enough about what the person speaking about to be dangerous, to think he knew more than the person speaking, stood up with a question and challenged him. He challenged him, something that he had said in his talk. And the person speaking had probably read thousands more pages than the person who challenged him what he said. He'd probably thought for hours and dozens of hours longer than what he said than the person who challenged him. I'm sorry, whoever's, Justin, I think that was yours. Um, that's not good when, when someone with uh, attention issues hears something like that fall over. I don't even remember what I was saying, so we're gonna, we're gonna wrap it up here. Um, the <laughs> so this 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 person who was speaking could have just obliterated publicly the person who challenged him and guess what he said he said that's an interesting point next question and so the guy who, um, some of his students comes up to him after the talk and said, man, that guy was, that was so arrogant. I, we've heard you answer that question a million times. Why didn't you? And he said, I'm just practicing not always having to have the last word. That could have really humiliated this person. I chose not to. Power under control. Not always having to win the argument. Not always having to have the last word. Power, strength under control. What's another one? Laying aside my personal preferences. You know, Christians are people who we continually let other people have their way. It's one of the ways that we sacrificially love and serve other people. We don't insist on having Things done our way. We allow other people to make decisions for us. It's a hallmark of Christianity. This is in big ways and in small ways. Where do you want to eat? L camps. I don't want to go there today. Let's go B dubs. It's letting other people make decisions. It's a really simple way to practice meekness. What about not being easily offended? Another way of saying this is Christians aren't precious. We're not precious about things. It takes a lot to offend us. I mean, you have to really be trying to offend us. We're not the type of people when we walk into a room, everyone's like, "Ah, be careful what you say and do around this person. They're very precious about stuff. We're just easy. We roll with the punches. Those are just ways that we can exercise meekness. What about the purpose of meekness? It's to promote relational harmony and serenity. Meekness softens a community of people. When one person is meek, it softens the whole group. The benefits of biblical wisdom cannot be experienced in isolation from other people. It is by nature a relational element of the Christian life. You can't just, it's not, it's not just sitting alone in your room and coming up with very wise thoughts. It is expressed and experienced in the context of relationships. And you can tell a biblically wise person by the effect they have on a group of people. Verses 17 and 18 again. Here's the effect that biblical wisdom has on a community of people. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You would be surprised at how tense church meetings can get. And can I honestly say, this has not been the case here at Southside, but I've been in some church meetings where... The room is so tense because people are just clashing. And some of the most instructive moments in my ministry, the first half of my ministry life, was being in some of those tense conversations and having some very wise person stand up with great love, great humility, great meekness, change the tone and flavor and dynamic of that conversation not only by what they said, but by how they said it. Some people can just calm down an energized atmosphere by their presence, by the meekness with which they present themselves, with which they speak. That is biblical wisdom. So what's the opposite of meekness? What about... Someone who doesn't exercise wisdom from above, like James says, but rather earthly wisdom, unspiritual wisdom, demonic wisdom. Let's look at verses 14 through 16. "But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile. Practice. I love the definitions that J.A. Mottier gives us. Jealousy, he says, is a sharp antagonistic spirit of self-concern. Remember, as other people a lot smarter than me have said... A person who does not have the benefit of the Holy Spirit living in them, helping them to be others-focused, is bent inward, curved inward, focused about, I'm focused on me, not everybody else. I'm focused on how people around me affect me. A, a person who's bent outwards is saying, I'm focused on how I can serve, love, care for the people around me. Jealousy is a sharp Antagonistic spirit of self concern. Selfish ambition is the creation of parties or the dividing of fellowships. Selfish ambition is pulling people onto your side to oppose others so that you can raise up in the ranks. Selfish ambition is figuring out ways to put yourself ahead above other people. This is earthly, demonic, unspiritual. Disorder, restlessness, instability, disturbance in the fellowship. It's going to church on Sunday morning and not feeling like peaceful about it. It's going to church and just feeling like this, it's just chaos. It's, there's this sense of restlessness I'm not looking forward to it. I leave, it like pulls life out of me instead of puts life into me. It's chaotic. That's disorder. Every vile practice, the last one, meanness in thought, word and deed. Meanness in thought, word and deed. It's just being cold, unthoughtful unkind. What does all that sound like to you? What is that list? You put all that list together, what does it sound like? Drama. We, we have this rule in our house where we say to our girls, and, and I speak to myself in saying this too, where before you, before you say anything, think, am I contributing to the drama or am I moving us away from drama by saying this? It'd be a good rule for all of us, or am I contributing to the drama by saying this, or am I releasing us from being stuck in this drama? You know people like this too, don't you? Some people, they walk into a room and everyone tenses up. Like, oh, be careful. (laughs) Like, this person is very precious. You'd be very careful. Some people, they walk into a room, they, ca- they, they cause others to tense up. Other people, they walk into the room, they cause others to, oh, they're here. Good. Relax. Have you ever said this? Um, let's say you're going to a, a situation that's going to be socially awkward. It's going to be strange. It's going to be a little bit tense for whatever reason. There's tension in the air. And you know you're going there. But you're talking. maybe you're talking to someone that's going to be there with you, and you say, well, at least... It is going to be odd, it is going to be awkward, but at least so-and-so is going to be there. Have you ever said that? At least so-and-so is going to be there, because so-and-so lightens things up. It's not so tense. This person has a way of absorbing the crazy, so that when we're all together, it's a little bit more delight, and a little bit less duty. Like, they actually make it somewhat enjoyable, and Some people have that effect. That's a peacemaker. We are getting close to Thanksgiving. This is not totally unrelated. We are getting close to Thanksgiving. In some homes, there is the potential for relational tension or awkwardness. This year, our goal collectively and individually is to be the people that everyone else says yeah it's going to be a little bit odd we'll just stay away from these subjects but fortunately John Brown's going to be there Kai is going to be there they make everything more light-hearted they make everything more fun Austin's going to be there He'll lighten the mood. He'll absorb the absorb the awkwardness. I know Jay's gonna be there, man. It is definitely gonna be a riot. It's gonna be a blast because Jay's gonna be there. Be that person. Kathy disagrees. I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. So you go to a small church, your name might get called out. It's always gonna be for good, though. This year, around the Thanksgiving meal, don't be precious. Don't be fragile. Roll with the punches. Be resilient. We need more resilient disciples of Jesus in the world. Don't take yourself too seriously. Don't walk into the room tense. Be lighthearted. Don't be offended when someone says something politically you don't agree with. Don't be precious about your opinions. Roll with the punches. Be meek. You might have the answer. You might know more than the other person. You don't have to say it. You can keep it to yourself. It's okay if other people think they know more than you. It's okay. Meekness is power under control. Now, I want to end by being really clear about one thing. This isn't merely moral instruction. If we just talk at Southside about how you're supposed to act you won't have the power to actually act that way. If you just leave here and start working on being more meek, you won't be able to do it. You'll do it for a little while, and then you'll get frustrated, and then you'll quit, and then you'll feel like it's impossible, and all I would have done is created a dead legalism in your thinking. Because I'm... You can't do this on your own. What I want you to see is that you have to look to Christ. You have to surrender to Jesus. You have to do this in cooperation like we talked about a couple of weeks ago with the Spirit's work in you. So I want to end with this. What is the source of meekness? We know it's the Holy Spirit. What is the source of meekness? I want you to chew on this statement this year. The only way we can consistently deny ourselves the right to have things done our way is if we believe that there are blissful rewards and delightful realities available to us in Christ that are only unlocked when we deny ourselves for the sake of others. And some games online, whether it's a crossword puzzle or some type of video games, you have to complete a certain level of crossword or you have to complete a certain level in the video game in order for the next level to be unlocked. This is how you unlock the door that opens to another step into The realm of the kingdom of God. This is how you open another and unlock another door to take another step into your ability to experience the love of God. It's you deny yourself for the sake of others. It's subduing yourself in order to be gentle toward others and every time we deny ourselves every time we subdue ourselves in order to be gentle to others like Christ we take one more step into the reality of the kingdom on earth and God expands us to receive more of his love to see more of his reality As we obey God, he gives us more. This is one of the ways that we do that. Would you pray with me, and then we will close with a song. Thank you for listening. Check out our website at southsideworcester.com.